0: 7, 24, I'm going to be reading out of the HCSB, the Hollis Christian Standard Bible. Hollis asked me, he says, I don't know what Bible you're reading, but I can't follow you with mine, so I decided to use this passage from his Bible this morning, and he don't have his Bible with him. So in honor of the Lord Jesus Christ and Brother Hollis, Matthew 7, 24 through 27 in the Christian Standard Bible, Jesus is talking here. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it did not collapse because its foundation was on the rock. Say, it's still standing. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. Say, it's not standing. standing. I know we just recently looked at this passage of scripture and we talked about doers and hearers of the word and it's a doer that's blessed and it's a doer that builds on the rock and the rock is the foundation that is built upon uh, the word and how many knows who the word is Jesus is the word he's that rock and you know when Jesus was at uh, Caesarea Philippi with his disciples they were taking a little breather He asked them, Who do men say that I am? And they were all throwing out guesses. But Peter spoke up and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And and, uh, Jesus said to him, Simon bar Jonah, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. In other words, this revelation didn't come from anybody you know or any books or anything. This had to come from heaven because nobody else knew it till now. And so he said, Upon this rock, Peter... This, the rock of the revelation that I am the Christ, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so we see here that the rock that he's building his, his house on is the foundation of the scriptures. The rock is Jesus Christ, the word. So he's building his house on the word. He's building his house on the rock of revelation that Jesus is Lord. And that house stood the storms. It stands, Hallelujah. So Jesus has shown us the difference between people who heard the word and obeyed it or acted on it, like Brother House's Bible says, and those who heard the word but didn't act on it or didn't do the word. And there's a tremendous difference. They both heard the same word. They had the same opportunity. They had the same building materials, the same storm, the same rain, the same flood, uh, the same winds the only thing different was the foundations. One house was built on the word or the rock, and the other was without the obedience of the word, and was built on the sand. How many know sand will shift? It's not very stable foundation. But one was a doer of the word, or one acted on the word, and the other wasn't or did not act on the word. But the difference between those who do the word and those who don't is amazing. What kind of foundation are you building your house upon this morning? And you might be building a good house. you got good material and everything. And you might build a good life, but whether it stands or not will depend on whether or not you're on the right foundation when the storms come. And if you're building on the obedience of the word or you're building upon the rock, you're obeying and acting on the word, uh, then your house is going to stand because it's on a sure foundation. Amen? And let's say that one builder was a believer, and the other builder was not a believer. Because if you're a believer, then you should be doing the Word, right? I mean, if you believe the Word works, and you believe the Word is right, then you should be doing the Word, because you're a believer. And if you're not doing the Word, then you must be an unbeliever. But uh, I don't just want to talk about doers and hearers this morning. I know I, I recently taught on that, and I'm not transgressing or losing my mind I understand that I remember that but the thing I want to talk about this morning is the storm rather than the house I want to talk about the storm that they went through and the fact that believers and unbelievers alike will go through storms in life and uh, you know I've heard people say all the time why do bad things happen to me I'm a Christian I go to church you know why do bad things happen to good people because we have storms in life, and the storm hits both houses, the believer and the unbeliever alike. But we're gonna see the difference between the two today. And I looked at Webster, I said, what is a storm, Mr. Webster? The dictionary. It says it's the violent disturbance of the atmosphere. And then it goes on to include rain, wind, hail, different things that cause it to be violent or, or cause it to be a violent disturbance. But the storms Jesus is talking about here are the violent disturbances that take place in our lives. How many ever been in a storm? How many in a storm right now as I'm preaching this? It could be the loss of a job. It could be an addiction. It could be trouble in our marriages or our relationships. It could be health issues. It could be unexpected surgeries. Anything that disturbs the normal flow of life. Uh, and and is a violent disturbance of the air around our lives is a storm. So it's not a real storm with real wind and stuff, but it's a spiritual storm, and it hits us just as hard. Now, both people in our parable this morning had the same opportunities, the same building materials are, are available to each one of them, and they faced the same storms. If you read the words Jesus just repeated with both houses the type of storm that came against them. And the only difference is what was left when the storm passed. And it will pass. You know, one reason good things happen, or bad things happen to good people, and, and sometimes good things happen to bad people, is because we're living in a messed up world. Amen? Amen. And it's so messed up that things are going to happen to us because we're living in the world. And, and, and another reason is because God never told us that we would be exempt from the storms, did he? If he did, I want you to get me passage of the, the scripture and verse on that. He said, these things I have spoken to you, what things? The word. That in me, say in me, in, me. in Christ, in Jesus, you may have peace. Yeah. Now, he did promise us peace in the storm. He said, in the world that we live in you will have tribulation in other words violent disturbances storms and then he says but be of good cheer for i have overcome the world and if you're in him and he's in you then you've overcome the world as well but it don't exempt you from the storms it just helps you stand in them better god said that weapons will be formed against us but they will not prosper And he never promised that we would live a carefree life and never have any storms. He never promised that. But he did give us the ability to stand through every storm and every circumstance that life can throw at us. He gave us the ability to stand. Isaiah 43, 1 and 2 says, I have called you by your name. Isn't that wonderful? God knows our name. Hallelujah. He said, you are mine. When... Not if, but when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When, again, not if, you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame even scorch you. Oh, Hallelujah. One preacher said, I think I said it a few times myself, them boys in the furnace, they come out without a, a burn mark on their clothes weren't burned, and they didn't even smell like smoke. Why? Because a fourth man was in the fire. The son of man was in the fire with him. So in other words, God doesn't stop the storms from coming, and he doesn't take us out of them. He gets us through them. He gets, he gets us through the valley of the shadow of death, through the lion's den, through the fiery furnace, through the high waters, through the tough times. He gets you through them, and you learn along the way. Amen? Amen. And I've heard it said that sometimes we go through the same storm because we didn't do too good with it the first time. But I'm a firm believer. If you, if you come out of your storm victorious, you'll not have to go through that storm again. You may go through a storm, but it won't be the same one again. Why? Because you got the victory over it. You've survived every storm. Every one of you that's in here this morning has survived every storm that came your way. And the reason I know is because you're still standing. You're still here this morning. So you had to survive them, right? Hallelujah. And I don't know exactly what you've been going through, but like Mark Hankins said before, he said, I can tell it wasn't good. <laughs> but according to the parable this morning, if you stand a believer and an unbeliever side by side and let them go through the same storm, when it's over, one will be standing and the other one won't. Who's going to be standing this morning? You know, some of the same storms you've been through has destroyed other people. Stop and think about that a minute. Uh, Some of the same storms that you've been through, maybe going through right now, have literally destroyed other people's lives. I mean, they took to drinking, they took to... Drugs, they got addicted, they lost their house, they lost their car, they lost their job, they lost their family. Same storm that you went through. Same storm you're going through now. And the only difference is, you didn't go through it alone. God was with you when you went through yours. You walked with God and acted on the word, and that's what got you through the storm. If I've learned anything as a Christian and a pastor, I've learned this. You don't make it through the storms of life by accident. Not by happenstance, not even by good luck. It's only because of faith in God and the Word that you're able to stand and you make it through your storms. If you haven't learned that yet, you will. Doing the Word and having God on our side, like I said, doesn't stop the storms from coming, but it's what gets us through the storms of life. No matter how bad it seems, if you look hard enough, you will see God at work in your storm. And you'll see a lesson in your storm that you're supposed to learn every storm and and, uh you know he's strengthening us and so that we can stand and sometimes the greatest power and a lot of people don't believe this because they think power is uh, some type of forward momentum that just barrels through everything you know Uh, but sometimes real power is just the ability to stand Sometimes just standing through something is harder than anything you have to do, and I'm telling you, there's power to stand in God when God is with you in a storm. Right. And here's another thing I've learned as a pastor: most Christians, because of pride, would never admit it when they're in a storm. Amen. Whether it's financial storm, physical, emotional, relationally, and and. I'm going to tell you this, you should never be ashamed because you're in a storm. But we think that when we're in a storm, uh, we think that it shows a lack of faith or it shows a lack of strength or it will show me as being somewhat weak, and I don't want to have that appearance to anybody. But but I'm going to tell you something right now, we all go through storms. I don't care how bad you are, you go through storms. I don't care... (laughs) Uh, how weak you are, where you came from, what side of the trash you were born on, you go through storms. Amen. We all need help in the storm. Amen. Amen. And because of pride, the, the stinking pride of the devil that he puts on you, he say, don't say nothing to nobody. Because he knows that you could get help from somebody. He knows that somebody will have the right advice for you. Somebody will be able to pat you on the back, t- uh, give you a hug, tap your shoulder, and say, you're going to make this storm, man. I'm going to help you make it. Me and Jesus are going to help you make it through this storm. The devil don't want nobody to tell you that. He wants you to think you just defeated. There's nothing you can do but hump up and take it. And sometimes you do just hump up and take it. Sometimes you do stand, but you stand in faith. Amen. Amen. And according to some people, help me, Jesus. And some preachers, famous preachers, <laughs> television evangelists, <laughs> according to them, they've never had a bad day. But I say liar, liar, pants on fire. Who are you kidding? You better leave fantasy land and come back to the real world because I don't know where you live in. Because if you tell me you never have a storm, you never have any problems, then you're a liar. Or you're on the devil's side and he's not coming against you. You ever hear of a guy by the name of Elijah? Would you say he was a man of faith? Well, I mean, these preachers done elevated themselves above Elijah and Paul and King David. And they say, we ain't never had no problems like they did. So I I must have more faith than they did. Liar, liar. Pants on fire. Thank you for finishing that for me. Elijah, a mighty man of God. James tells us that Elijah was a man that was subject to the same feelings and emotions that we have. He was just like us. That great man of faith. And, and, And the Bible says he was just like us. He felt the same things we do. He went through the same things we do. And he's a great man of faith. Same problems that we have, same storms that we have. Elijah. And yet the Bible says that Elijah plopped himself down under a juniper tree and asked God to kill him. He was suicidal. This great man of faith, how did he get to the place where he's suicidal? I mean... Uh, this is the same man who just a few hours earlier slayed 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Ashtoreth with the sword. And I know it's supernatural. I mean, he didn't do it in his flesh. God came upon him, just like he used to on Samson. And he anointed him. And he gave him the ability to slay 850 prophets of Jezebel. And then he outruns the king chariot 50 miles to Jezreel. The Bible says he girded up his loins. He pulled his smock up and outran the king's chariots. And I want you to know the king had the fastest chariots in the army. He outran them. Now he's sitting under a juniper tree asking God to kill him. Why? How could he get to that place so quickly? Because Queen Jezebel threatened to take his life the same way he took her prophet's life, by the sword. And, and, you know, uh, Elijah got in fear and he was tired. Fear and battle weary. When you're tired and and you're battle weary, you've been standing and you've been fighting all the time. uh, Sometimes you'll feel a little depressed. Sometimes you'll get into a little fear because he was worried about Jezebel. that, That woman Jezebel, he was worried about her after he killed 850 skilled prophets. You know, they carry swords, too and he killed them all now he's worried about one little woman why he was just at the place he was wore out he couldn't swing his sword one more time he couldn't kill another prophet and there's times when i get weary and there's times when even i worry this great man of faith here and it's caused by uh fear because uh fear is a man or worry is a manifestation of fear if I wasn't afraid of something happening or not happening, I wouldn't be worrying about it. But I'm willing to admit to you this morning that there's times when I get into worry. My life ain't a bowl of cherries. I I go through things just like you do, just like Elijah did, just like the great apostle Paul did. I'm not no I'm not any better than you are. And I said a couple of weeks ago, uh, it was a pastor's appreciation day I said that we were like bus drivers people get on and people get off and we just keep driving the bus and someone told me that sounded kind of cold and when I thought back on it I thought it did but I didn't tell you the whole story I never said that it didn't bother us when people get off the bus I never said it doesn't hurt us or grieve us when people get off the bus I never said it doesn't affect us. I only said that we just keep driving the bus. In other words, we're still here no matter who comes in or who goes out. We're still here. But it hurts. I've had people get off our bus years ago, and I still grieve over them. Years ago, and we still pray for them. So it's not just as simple as, you know, we just drive the bus. We don't care, you know, who gets on. We do care. We care about who gets off the bus more than we care about who gets on. Because we don't know the people that are getting on. We don't have a relationship with the people that are getting on, but we have a relationship with the people got off. Sometimes for years we've had a relationship with them. We've, we've uh, uh, shared things with them and their families, and their families share things with us for years, and it's like you lost a family member. Uh, you know, like a funeral it feels like sometimes. So, yeah, we drive the bus, and we're going to keep driving the bus, but we do care who gets off. Don't get that part wrong. And there's times when we feel like we want to give up and sit under that juniper tree like Elijah did. As a matter of fact, there's times when I did sit under that tree and have myself a little pity party. Queen Jezebel threatens to kill Elijah by the sword, just like he did her prophets. And this mighty man of God gets in fear and runs away and gets under a juniper tree and says, I've had it. Take my life, God. I don't want to live anymore. I couldn't imagine a man of God like that, a man of faith, that performed the miracles that he did get to the place where he just wants to quit. But it can happen to the best of us. Even those television evangelists, it could happen to them. And when it does, they don't tell you. But I got the inside story on some of them. I know some diseases they fought. I know some surgeries that they had and yet they get up and smile in your face and act like they don't don't have a care in the world. I want you to know that you're going to go through some storms. I want you to be ready for them. Even God says when, not if. You're going to go through some storms, but you're not going to go through them alone. You know, when your life is threatened by an incurable disease or you're facing major surgery or you're getting tested for cancer, that could get you in fear. I don't recommend that you do it, but I know it's a natural response that we have to overcome. It don't go away by accident. Maybe when your finances are messed up and your job is being threatened, it's easy to lose faith sometimes. And maybe when your relationships are threatened or when you've been fighting one battle after another and you're wore out you can get to the place where you just want to sit under a juniper tree and give up. And I know God said that he'll never put anything on you that you can't handle. But I'll tell you what, he's come close with me a few times. I know you're going to sit there and act like you don't know what I'm talking about. But You can sit there and lie if you want to, but I'm willing to admit it. When you're ba- your battle weary and your body is tired, you can't get discouraged. I don't care who you are. Great man of faith, great woman of faith. <laughs> but that's why it's, ha- it's good to have a family of faith a family of faith like this one that you can come to if you're willing to admit it that you need help and that you're weary and you're tired and you you want to give up a- and you can come to us and we can pray you through not me and pastor Red, the family can pray you through. We can give you a shoulder lean give you some help, reassure you. There's somebody in here that's been through what you're going through right now and they can tell you that you're going to make it just like they made it. Fam, Brother Hollis. Brother Hollis texts me once in a while. Calls me fam. (laughs) I ain't hit by all the latest jive and stuff, but I can tell he means family. See, Howells came here, and he found a, ha- a family, yes. and that's something he needed. He's got his own family, but he don't have them here. Amen. But he's got a family now. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. You know, I can't tell you you'll never be in a storm, but I can tell you you'll never be in it alone. Amen. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, you know, I can't tell you you'll never have a dark night, but I can promise you this. Joy will come in the morning. I can't tell you no weapons will be formed against you, but I can tell you they won't prosper. I can't tell you you won't get knocked around in the storm because you will, but I'm telling you when the storm is past, you'll still be standing because of who you're in the storm with. And there'll be times when your faith is tested and when you have to ignore your feelings. How many ever had to ignore their feelings and believe the word? And there'll be times when only your faith in God and doing the word will sustain you and get you through what you're going through. Amen. And I've said this before, you know, and it bears repeating, and, I, and I'm, it's not original to me, but sometimes, you know, worry is like writing a check for something you may not have to pay for. So why write the check? Why worry about it? It doesn't change anything. Amen. You know, when I first met Brother House, we went to, I know I keep bringing up Brother House, but I've got some experiences with him here lately, you know. I met him at the hospital for his first surgery, and it was, they did a PET scan on him. And I know what a PET scan means. They're looking for cancer. And he knows they was looking for cancer. But you know what? We prayed. He kept the faith, and he'd come out of that clean, clean bill of health as far as cancer was concerned. And the thing that they did find was exactly like we prayed, that it was something that could be fixed. And it was. And, you know, you say, well, why did he have to go through a surgery? I thought God's a healer. He did heal him. God did heal him. Hallelujah. He went through the storm, but he came out standing. You went through a storm, and you came out standing. Think about some of your storms. I look back on some of my storms, knowing what I know today, and I didn't see it then, but I could see how God got me through it. He was the only one that could have. And the only difference between our storm and an unbeliever's storm is who's in the storm with us. And that's what makes the difference because the storms are the same for both. Hebrews 6.19 tells us that we have a hope. And that hope is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. And the only one I know that ever entered the presence behind the veil in the heavenly holy of holies is Jesus Christ, our Savior. So he's the one. He's our anchor. And I'm telling you, I, I, I've lived a life with no hope. And I didn't want to live that life. I even said, if there's a God up there, and this is all that there is, take me now. I don't even want to be here. I don't want to live life without a hope. We have to have something to hope for. We have to have something to look forward to or we'll stop. We'll quit going forward. And that hope is Jesus Christ. I have a hope no matter what kind of hell I go through on this earth. I'm going to see the one that went beyond the veil into the presence of the Holy One. I'm going to see him. Hallelujah. That's our hope. He's the anchor for our soul. And when I start drifting in the storm, I'm grabbing onto that anchor because it's sure and steadfast. I don't know if you know anything about ships or boats. Sometimes you have to ride the storm out, and sometimes you can throw that anchor and then just let that thing, whatever way the wind is blowing until that anchor catches hold, and then you stand. You're steadfast and sure till that storm is over. And sometimes you find a harbor. Sometimes you ride the storm out. Uh, as long as you're not near rocks or shore or something, it all depends. But I'm telling you what, it's nice to know that I got an anchor when I need it. Hallelujah. And you'll never appreciate or esteem the value of an anchor until you feel the force of the storm. You'll be out there with no anchor and feel the force of that storm, and you'll wish you had an anchor. You'll wish you had a hope. Because it's that hope that's going to get you through. In our opening scripture, Jesus was telling the disciples that everyone has storms. Look at your neighbor, and say even you. even you. And one house we read about was a man that was, that was doing the word. He was faithful. He went to church every time the doors were open. He paid tithes. He fasted. He done the right things and he done things right, but he was still in the storm. And that's the point I want you to get. There's nothing wrong with you because you're in a storm. There's nothing wrong with you because things are happening in your life. The devil's getting in your marriage, and he's getting in your kids and making them act crazy. There's nothing wrong with that happening to you. Proverbs 10.25 says, When the storm is swept by, the wicked are gone, but the righteous stand firm forever. Right. Hallelujah. And sometimes God will calm the storm, and sometimes he lets the storm rage and he calms you and gives you peace in the storm. But either way, he always helps us through it. And I've been in storms. I've been in situations. I mean, my job was threatened, and so-and-so is going to buy out, and we're going to be on the street and this and that. And I just go through it smiling and happy, keeping my joy. And people ask, how could you be so calm? You're about to lose your job. Because I have an anchor. <laughs> and when the, when the winds start blowing, I know I have a hope. Amen. And I, I, I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to start over. But when you have a hope like I have, Amen. then if I lose this job, God's got another one for me. Because my hope ain't in the job, it's in God. Amen. My anchor ain't in the job, it's in God. Amen. And when you have that anchor, when you have that hope, then it doesn't make any difference. If, if I lose this job, God's got a better one for me. Amen. And so I put my faith in him. Amen. Amen. He never lets me down. Yes. And then Jesus told us about another man that does his own thing. He hears the word, but doesn't act on it. He attends church when he feels like it. He fasts from the time he goes to bed till the time he gets up. He pays tithes. If you don't need the money for something else. And Jesus said when the storms hits this guy's house, he's in trouble. He said he fell and great was the fall of that house. It wasn't just a just fell over. I mean, that house got obliterated. He said it was great. And then Jesus summed up the advantage of doing the word. He said when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it for it was founded upon a rock so not only did it stand through the storm but it couldn't even be shook couldn't even be shaken and god said in the last days and it's going to be happening real soon here he said everything that can be shaken will be shaken but we can't be shaken because we're on a solid foundation we stand on the rock we don't we can't be shaken let alone have our house blown over and everybody gets into situations where they get discouraged. I said everybody. We talked about Elijah, but what about the great apostle Paul in the New Testament? Elijah's Old Testament. Paul's in the New Testament. You think he knows anything about discouragement? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, it says, For we do not want you to be ignorant. In other words, Paul's saying, I, I want you to know something here. I don't want you to be ignorant of what I'm about to say uh he says i don't want you to be ignorant brethren of our trouble which came to us in asia he's telling us some of the things that happened to them when they went to asia minor to establish churches and encourage the believers there he said that we were burdened beyond measure that's a lot of burden can't even measure the burden he says above strength it was stronger than us So that we despaired even of life. They were concerned with losing their lives. That's how bad it was. And Paul was so discouraged with the troubles in Asia that he was worn out. And even though he thought about giving up on life, just like Elijah did, uh, he uh, did this. In verse 9, he said, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. In other words, they felt like they were going to die. They felt like they were sentenced to death. That we should not trust in ourselves or our abilities. And we shouldn't trust in doing our own thing. And then he says, but in God who raises the dead. In other words, if, even if we do get killed, God will raise us. Even if I do lose my job, God will give me another one. And then verse 10, it says, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us? in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Where was his hope at? Not in his abilities. His hope was in the anchor. His hope was in Jesus Christ. And he said, even if we get killed, God will raise us from the dead. I ain't worried about death. Death don't scare me. Paul said, it seemed like a death sentence. And there was no hope. Then he said, but in God. I'm telling you, some of you have been through some things and and you look back on it now, if you would have just thought, but in God, not in me, but in God, it would have been a lot easier, a lot faster. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, when the problems come, not if they come, I'm like Isaiah, when they come and they will, when you can't see a way out in yourself, then the answer is, but in God, but in God. There is a blessing in the storms, and that is that we can know God will see us through because he has done it before. The storm you just went through, the storm you're going through now, the storm you're about to go through, it's not your first storm, and it ain't going to be your last. 2 Corinthians 4, 8, Paul said, We are hard-pressed on every side and yet not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not forsaken struck down but not destroyed see his attitude and his how positive he was no matter what happened to him he looked to the positive side of it even when he thought he's going to die he said that's right God will raise me from the dead and the only reason he could say that is because he understood that God has done it for him before and he'll do it again he said in Romans 8:37, "In all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us Not just a conqueror, but more than a conqueror. And as we look at the examples that we have in the Bible, I find it amazing the way Paul and Elijah and David and all the others, they didn't just mope around and become victims of their circumstances. Remember Paul and Silas at the midnight hour? I talked about that, I think, Wednesday night. I mean, it looked like it was over for them. The inner prison, chained in stocks, beaten, bloody, sore hurting and what do they do at midnight the darkest hour of the night they begin to sing praises unto God and they sang them loud enough for the jail all the people that were in jail the prisoners to hear them and then God shook that prison opened all the doors loosed all the chains and the stocks and everybody was able to just walk out but they didn't because the dra- jailer would have got killed if they walked out, they would have sentenced that jailer to death. And matter of fact, he pulled the sword. I was getting ready to fall on himself because he didn't want to be tortured for letting the prisoners escape. And Paul says, Don't harm yourself. He said, We're all still here. And then that jailer fell down. And he said, What must I do to be saved? And Paul preached the gospel. And not only the jailer, but his whole family heard the gospel, his whole family got saved, all the prisoners got saved. And, and I don't know this for sure. Somebody said, I, I just heard it in a message where somebody said that uh, they read the historians like Josephus, and they said it was uh, that jailer and uh, most, if not all, of the people that were in that jail as prisoners started the church at, at Philippi and were elders in the church at Philippi. So I don't care what the storm is, God will get something good out of it. Amen. Amen. James says it counted all joy when we fall into different temptations or different storms. He said, knowing that the trying or the testing or the tempting of your faith will work patience. But let patience have her perfect work that we may be perfect and entire, wanting or lacking nothing. Big storm hits you, you start praising the Lord. Hallelujah. Right, amen. Not for the storm, but because you know you're going to make it through the storm. So when the storm comes, according to James, it's time to start praising God, to shout and jump and uh, knowing that the trying of what you believe or the trying of your faith or the trying of what you believe, that's what faith is, will work joyful endurance. What do you need in a storm more than anything else? You need endurance. Endurance. And the joy of the Lord, according to Nehemiah, is your strength. So you got to maintain your joy. That's why he says, count it all joy, because you're going to need it in the storm. Right. Amen. Don't get in the mulligrub. Oh, another storm. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this storm. I just went through a storm. Don't get in the mulligrub. Start whining and complaining. Start praising God. Amen. 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 You know, when Paul and them was whipped, they, say they got out of jail, and they thought, man, I'm so glad that God counted us worthy to suffer persecution for his name's sake. Now, things have been going so good, I got to thinking God wasn't with us anymore. But thank God he counted us worthy and had us punished and whipped and everything to suffer persecution for his name's sake. What an attitude. If we could just catch some of that attitude. But joyful endurance brings, makes you mature. That's why he says let patience, or let... Uh, Endurance have its perfect work. It makes you mature and you'll not lack anything. In other words, every desire be satisfied. And then James 1.12, he said, Blessed is the man that endures temptation for when he is tried, when he goes through the storm, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a crown waiting for you on the other side of your storm. Your joyful faithfulness will work a change in you, and it will change your desires. And this is what the complete work is that James is talking about. So as you're walking through life and the storms, they come on your job, on your finances, on your health, on your marriage, or your family, or your car, or whatever. It's joyful endurance that will change you and get you through the storm. It will make you complete and ready to receive uh, a crown of life. Now, don't get me wrong sickness is never a test or a trial it's something that the devil uses but god doesn't use it for a test or a trial never i mean you know we should never think that something that jesus redeemed us from is going to be used to make us stronger or make us better it's not it comes from the devil 1 peter 1 7 says the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. In other words, what you believe will be made pure, it's not talking about actual fire and actual gold, but what you believe will be made pure by the trials and the storms that you go through in life. And it will bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ because you're going through the same storm as Joe the sinner, But when the storm passes, and like I said, it will, you're still standing and he's not. That brings glory to God because you have a testimony. You say, the only reason I made it through and he didn't is because I had God and I acted on his word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your storms and your trials are just opportunities to prove what you believe. And when you have a foundation built upon doing the word, your life will not even be shaken. Amen. You won't bite your fingernails. Hallelujah. Paul said in Ephesians 6, 13 and 14, you remember I said sometimes the greatest power you can exhibit is power to stand because sometimes it's hard to just stand. He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. In other words, when the storms come, and having done all to stand, he says, stand therefore. And sometimes it's hard to just stand by yourself. Let me read it to you in the amp. It says, Therefore, put on God's complete armor that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger. And having done all the crisis demands to stand firmly in your place, stand, therefore, hold your ground. I don't know about you, but I've done this plenty of times. I've got to the place uh, with my diet, with my health, with sugar diabetes. I I got to the place where I did everything that I could do and didn't see any results and I knew it was time to stand then. God, I did everything that I could possibly do and now if anything else is done, it has to be done by you because I don't have the ability and so I'm going to stand until it happens and by God, it happened. Hallelujah. I stood, but I had to make sure I did all to stand before I stood. Amen. Amen. But sometimes the real winners in life are those who just keep standing. That's why I say it's a powerful thing to be able to stand through some things. Keep holding your ground. And, you know, half the storms that you're, you're to simply just stand and hold your ground in half of them. And start, let the storm pass you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if you could ask Paul or Elijah or any one of the great men of faith what their secret to success was, they'd probably tell you, I didn't quit. I just held my ground. And how'd you make it this far, Paul? I just stood and refused to sit down. What do you think caused you to be victorious all the time, Elijah? I refused to give up or give up any ground. I kept standing. And so when the dust settles and when the battles end and after time passes and people come and go... After the devil quits roaring, after the fads fade, the prayers have been prayed, the forgiveness has been extended, the mercy has been received, after the word has been confessed, the armor has been deployed, you've done all that you could possibly do, it's time to stand. And like uh, God told, uh, or Moses told the people of Israel at the Red Sea, stand and see the salvation of the Lord. They've done everything they could do. They had the Red Sea before them and Pharaoh's armies behind them, and they said, now what? There's nothing else we could do. We're dead. And, God, and Moses says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Because when you've done all you could do, watch God. Because God's got something up his sleeve. Hallelujah. So when you've done all you know to do, and you've got to be honest about this, because God's going to know if you did everything you could do, then just stand and, and hold your ground. Don't give up an inch. Amen. I mean, you you believe God's a healer when you're well? Believe God's a healer when you're sick. Amen. 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 Hold your ground because the one who keeps standing, the one who refuses to give up ground, is the one that will make it through the storm every time. So what's the storm in your life today? Weariness, relationship problems, persecution, discouragement, doubt, fear, finances, health, marriage problems. What's What's the storm in your life? There's one that will help you through it. Amen. Amen. Swallow your pride and say, Fam, I need some help. I need some advice. I'm going through something I haven't went through before. I need somebody that's been through it successfully to tell me how to get through it. See, the world is going to marriage counselors that have been divorced three times. They're going to financial counselors that are broke as a joke. Don't go to those people. Go to somebody that's been successful. You want some marriage advice? Come to me and Pastor Red. 55 years we've been together. 50 years of that married. We learned a couple things along the way. And I'm telling you, it ain't all been a, like floating down, merrily, merrily down the stream. No, we've had our problems. We've had our ups and downs. And, and we worked them out. We worked through them. And we could tell people, Some of the things we went through, I'll guarantee you, you're not going through something we didn't go through, marriage-wise. Amen. 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 But you got to seek the Lord. Check your heart. Are you sure you've done all the stand? You sure you've done everything you could do? Then it's time to stand and see the salvation of the Lord. He'll set you free. He'll deliver you. He'll fix that thing, whatever it is. Financially, physically, health-wise, it doesn't make any difference. If you're in a storm, you're not in it alone. Amen? Amen. Grab the anchor of your soul, Jesus Christ, and hold on. He'll get you through it. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. Hallelujah.